Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Spirit of Horse. Uh, my name is Mosey Truitt, and oh my god, I kind of, before I get into the episode, want to tell you guys about what just happened, because it was so interesting and so cool. Um, so if you know, if you've been following the podcast or you follow me online, you know that I opened up a wild horse sanctuary with my biffle, uh, Nina Polo. And the wild horse sanctuary happens to be in my backyard. So I've been just taking some time to, like every day I go out there and I uh, I spend time with the wild horses and, oh man, yeah, I have a lot of, a lot of cool stories, but one of them just happened and I think I'm going to, I think I want to tell you guys. So, uh, our kind of like philosophy on the wild horses or what we're trying to do is absolutely no training. You know, we're trying to keep these horses as wild and free as possible, you know, completely allowing them to live the life that the, the most free life we can possibly give them. So they live on a mountainside that also has meadows and, um, a river running through it or a Creek. And, uh, it's just this really wild, um, land that happens to have like a full mountain that they can climb and it's really amazing and it's really wild and uh they're just out free on it actually the mares right now are out free on it uh we have two stallions too who are separated into a still a wild pen but more contained um and i'll i'll explain more about that later uh but the mares are just wild and free on this mountain and our philosophy about like you know, approaching them or making relationship with them is we're again, not trying to train them in any way, but, uh, we are interested in exploring what the human horse relationship is when the horse is really free and has a true choice and, uh, training of all sorts is off the table. So I think that's kind of be the theme a little bit of this episode anyway, but uh, yeah, what just happened? So it's been amazing watching these horses because while we're not, you know, training or trying to manipulate them to come up to us, we are in no way opposed to them seeking us out or, um, you know, trying to initiate relationship with us. So we're also not trying to be hard on like no contact. They have to stay you know, in this idea of what wild is, which means no human connection. Um, we are open to the connection. Uh, but what we do is basically we don't go out like with, um, trying to give them treats or anything, or we don't go out like trying to train or trying to get them into small places where they can't really ignore us or pressure them in any way. We just go out and if they seek us, they seek us. And if they don't, it's totally fine. But it's been absolutely amazing because they have been seeking out connection. Here they are on a mountain where they have so many acres to run away from us, so many places to to hide and to never have to interact with us at all if we head out there. You know, it it takes like an hour or so to talk, to hike to the top of the mountain. So if they wanted to go, they could just go. But they have really been seeking out human connection, and they're really curious. And today, right now, I was just out with them, and 
Sirsha is one of the white horses, um, one of the gray horses that came in a kind of bonded pair. So she came in with Molly. And um, uh, she, from the beginning, um, if you check out the Voices of the Herd Instagram, the very first few days when she was here, she initiated contact first. She had one moment with me where they had just been released um, out of the trailer like a few hours before and they were getting used to their new surroundings and she kind of walked up to me and sniffed me and then walked away, Uh, which was absolutely incredible because these are horses that just a month before had been completely wild and um, out free in Devil's Garden, California with very little human contact and Saoirse in the holding pen actually had, I saw how wild she was and how, uh, you know, kind of terrified of humans. And, um, I won't say she was terrified of humans, but she had like an appropriate amount of caution. Um, but there's something about the way she looked at you and has always looked at us that has been so curious. So that first day, I really saw that curiosity come out when she came up and and kind of checked me out. But since then, while she has always been very curious, she hasn't initiated contact in that same way. She has come up to me, but she hasn't... um, She hasn't initiated that level of close contact. She'll follow from afar and she's always one of the most curious, but she doesn't come up as close as some of the others. But today I was out with them and I was hanging out with Athena and I was saying hi to all of them and they were all grazing in this really beautiful meadow on part of the mountain and I hiked and I kind of found them and um, I was just there and she was staring at me the whole time and it just felt so purposeful that she was looking at me and like in a way that made me feel like she really wanted to initiate some sort of connection. So I kind of opened myself up. I didn't approach her, but I gave her an opportunity to come up to me and to approach me kind of by turning my back away from her and looking to the side and, and then also still looking at her. So she knew I was, um, making eye contact and like wanted to, uh, connect with her as well, but also, um, kind of taking off any pressure of facing her or anything and, and kind of opening myself up that if she wanted to approach me from behind or if she wanted to check me out, um, I was really, really passive. And so there I was, I kind of stood at a few times, like just looking around and then I sat down on this uh, riverbank for a little while and she did slowly approach me but she wasn't she wasn't coming up to sniff me in the way that some of the other horses have but she was definitely definitely interested and um and maintaining eye contact with me the entire time it was so interesting because all the horses were kind of looking at me but but you know, like they're doing their own thing and she was very focused on me. So I, I, at some point was like, okay, I need to go back to record this podcast. And so I started walking back on the trail and, um, making my way over to this room 
when I started to hear footsteps behind me. And I had kind of already like made a corner and had um, gone past some trees. So I wasn't able to see all the horses where I had just left in the meadow, but there she was following me. And (laughs) I would stop and I'd look behind me and she'd be, you know, maybe, I don't know how many feet back, but a little ways back. Um, but just standing there watching me, following me. And every time I started walking through this oak grove, I'd hear her footsteps, her footsteps start up again. And she just followed me all the way out, um, towards the front of the sanctuary. And I wish I could adequately, describe how magical and cute this was because Saoirse already looks like a mystical unicorn like the way she's shaped just looks so like what you'd see in like the fae like the fairy tale she she has something about her that is just like petite and strong and um mystical and she's such a unicorn and the oak grove I was walking through is just always lit up with like that magic lighting. Like there's not any time of day in this particular area on the property where um, it's not just magical lighting with it shining through the trees and the oaks are kind of um, creating this like canopy over you. And I would just turn around hearing these footsteps and I would just see her little face like poking and hiding through the tree branches um just like being followed by this magical creature and it happened the entire way out I just kept walking and after like a few steps of walking I'd start to hear like crinkles in the uh, leaves and she'd start following me again and I don't know what it was she left her herd and just followed me the whole way and it wasn't an alert kind of following. Like it didn't feel in any way like she was tracking me because she was nervous or um, that she wanted to see that I had left in the way that I have seen other horses that kind of have that role, you know, really watch to make sure that um, something that's unknown like really gets far away. That's more of an aria thing to do, which is another wild horse we have at the sanctuary. She's, she takes that role a lot. Um, but that's really not Saoirse. Saoirse is way less protective in that manner and much more curious. And the energy she was giving me was just one of pure curiosity. And I don't know, something else too. Like it was just so interesting that she followed me the whole way out <clears throat> on a trailing trailer trailing trailing me like well she was like a shadow and man yeah it just it's just so magic because I've had moments of connecting with her for sure and I've had moments of her um seeking contact from afar and this wasn't any closer but it was just so focused and sometimes I feel that from her I feel this like very focused and gentle curiosity that just doesn't really dwindle or fade. And I'm so curious to see where our relationship goes because I feel in some ways like she's seeking something. 
And I don't know what it is. And I don't know if she's seeking me or if it's her curiosity in humans or I don't know, but it feels like she's seeking something more than the other horses in this very particular way. And I know that's not a very like concrete description, but it really is magical and mystical feeling. And yeah, when I got up here into the podcast room, I was just like on a high from how cool that was. And man, it's just amazing, like the difference between these wild horses. Because uh, I think about Aria, who I passed on the way out. Uh, and she's like this, like robust, sunny, like fire powerhouse. That's also like very um, feminine and flashy. And uh, she just feels like the sun to me. And her name is Aria, which means lioness of God. And it fits her really well. And she just feels so solid. And then Sirsha is like this mystical, again, like mystical, like unicorn, like coming out of the bushes. And um, it's also really interesting because Sirsha and Molly, who came in together, are like total mountain climbers. Everyone else will be on flat ground. And they're always one of the last few I see when I first find the herd because they're up in the trees, like up on the mountainside, always like, like grazing up there and like mountain climbing and exploring together. They're really, really explorative. And they're just like always coming out of the trees. It's, it's so beautiful and so cool getting to know them. Oh yeah. Sorry guys. If that was a little rambly, I'm just kind of like caught up in the moment here. And the truth is coming in here, I went on this walk because it was getting late and I, I need to post the podcast and I'm, I'm sorry this podcast is a little late, but I was having a really hard time thinking of what I wanted to talk about this week. And the topic just hasn't really come to me because usually like earlier in the week or, you know, at some point, like I have an idea of what I want to talk about. And um, yeah, this week, it just, it took a while to come and I'm really excited for the next few weeks because I have some cool guests. I'm so excited to share our conversations with you. And uh, we're going to go strong on the podcast this year for sure. But this week is just me talking. And yeah, I, I, I was really at a loss of, of what to talk about. But I went on this walk and I went to go see the wild horses. And I had an idea that I wanted to talk a bit about communication with the horses when there is no training, when there's literally no way to train or to um, use different techniques that I have learned over the years and how that works because I've been experiencing some crazy shiz with the wild horses and learning so much and I'm so grateful for this situation because I just don't think I would be able to explore it in the same way, mainly because I don't know if I would trust not having been put in a situation where I have to find something other than training. Um, I don't know if I would have, I would trust myself to not go to my training techniques. Um, that doesn't really make sense, but, uh, I'll talk about it more in the episode. 
but yeah, I don't know how long this episode's going to be because I I feel like I just want to talk about it and just say what I have to say and then, you know, however long that goes is how long it goes. Um, so I'm not going to pressure myself with time or anything. But uh, yeah, let's get into it. intro went for almost 17 minutes my recorder is saying so (laughs) so maybe it's gonna be longer than I thought um but yeah anyway like I was saying I really want to talk about really my experience this past couple months um communicating and having to make compromise and you know kind of work to make things happen with the wild horses without any training. Okay, so let me let me just kind of start with how this how this all came about. So, uh we adopted a bunch of these wild horses and they are truly truly wild. And when they got to the property, we set them out free pretty much immediately. Um But also, if you've been following our story, you know that we have some stallions that are not gelded and we have mares. And right now, um, they're separate, like I said, because we don't want to be breeding. Um, I know people have been asking me about that, like what the plan is. And we have more of a plan uh, that I'm not going to discuss in this podcast because I just want it, you know, we just want to focus on it and... uh, after it's done, we'll let you guys know how it went. But um, for right now, we're just keeping them separate because we want the stallions to have a natural life and we want to keep it as wild as possible and, you know, let them have their natural social structure structures. But we are in no way planning on breeding or making more babies. Um, so for the past few months, my my really only thing I've had to you know, work with, with the wild horses is keeping stallions and mares separate. And, uh, yeah, that, you know, we're not trying to do any training, but there have been a few times where I have needed to move the horses around. Um, and basically until we kind of get this thing settled, um, that has just been something that, uh, has been part of my, you know, weekly life, Uh, and there've been a few moments where I've gone out into the sanctuary, the wild mares are just, you know, out free on the entire mountainside. The boys are in another pen and I've needed to switch them and, uh, change where they are. So actually what, what it was at first was the boys were out on the, on the wild mountainside and the girls were kind of contained in this smaller pen, um, it's not really a pen, but basically like a really, really large pasture over this one section of the mountain. And I needed to switch them from, uh, you know, without mixing mares and stallions. 
And that was kind of a daunting task because I'm not going to go super into the details of it, but basically multiple times I needed to very specifically ask all the mares to come with me and also ask all the boy or the two boys separately to follow me as well. Um, so basically there has just been a fair amount of needing to shift where horses are and moving them around. Um, but the interesting thing with this has been, there's no way really for us to use pressure or to use positive reinforcement or any kind of, um, training that I'm used to because, you know, we're used to with, or at least I'm used to with my horses that if I really need to move them somewhere, I can bring some hay and, um, and put it down and kind of get their attention and, uh, and and they'll likely come with me for that. Um, I don't use pressure with my horses anyway, but just very simple things. Like if I shake a bucket and I need to move all the horses from one side of the pasture to another side of the pasture, um, in the past, like there's just these little things that you know that you can do because the horses know what grain are grain is and they will follow hay. And, um, you know, that even if they're not trained, there's these certain things that you can use to kind of, um, ask them to come with you or kind of like set them up so that they, uh, will go where you want them to go. But with the wild horses, they certainly will not take grain from your hand or cookies from your hand or anything like that. Um, they won't even eat grain if you put it in a bucket. Um, they don't eat grain at all. I've actually, I tried to give, tried to give, uh, one horse some grain and, uh, and like a pan and they all refused to eat it. Um, cause if you think about it in the wild, when are they ever going to encounter something like grain? I think it was probably very weird for them. But, uh, so that, that kind of even positive reinforcement technique is kind of off the table. And because we're not willing to train them or we don't want to train them right now, you know, I think with time, all of that would be possible, but that's not the road we want to go down anyway. And we also really don't want to, and I think would have a really hard time using pressure to move these horses around. Um, a lot of them, you know, only respond to really, really heightened pressure and uh, force. And we saw that in the uh, uh, holding pens, you know, that some of these horses like will fight it and fight it and fight it until it escalates to like a really um, extreme amount that wouldn't even be possible for us to do in the situation they're at because they're are free on a mountainside and there is no pen for us to kind of corner them in and then pressure them from behind. If we try to pressure the front, them from behind, they're just gonna leave. So here on like this 80 acre parcel, I've had to ask them to come with me and to go to certain places with none of the usual tools I've ever had in training. Um, no pressure and release and no positive reinforcement. Like, like really no training at all. And 
oh, it's been so good for me and it's been so interesting and I've learned so much because I've had to go out with just a completely new mindset. And not, also not to mention that because they're so wild, like they respond to you so differently um, and they keep so much more distance that that already feels so different anyway. Um, so yeah, going out with them has just been like a completely new experience and completely fresh and free in the way that I really hoped it would be. And I've really been excited to explore. Like these are exactly the things and the questions I wanted to ask and the scenario I thought that I could really discover them in. So it's been amazing though, because while I've had no tools to, uh, or no, no traditional tools that I've relied on in the past to move them around or to ask them to do things that I have needed of them, I have been able to ask things of them and they have really, really helped me out. And it has blown my mind how much we have worked together, um, the herds and me. And yeah, that I've had to move them a lot. I'm just going to say like, we've had some gates break down. We've had some, just some, you know, wild scenarios. And yeah, I've, been absolutely amazed in how we've come together really to make the solution. So I'm going to just kind of tell you guys what I've observed and what has been working. And I'm curious to see when I listen back to this in like a year, if these ideas and what I'm saying now are still going to hold up or if I'm going to be like, oh, actually I realized it was this. Um, because I'm sure I'm going to have learned a lot more in a year. Um, but these are just kind of like my field notes of what I've been noticing and what's been working. And it's definitely a work in progress. And I don't even know what all of these observations mean. Um, but this has been my experience. When I go out there and I need to ask uh, seven horses a herd of wild horses to come with me and to move where they're at and to come into a pen temporarily um, with no technique, all I can do is ask. And that is my big tip or that is the big thing I've learned because that is literally all I've had and somehow it's been working out. I go out with them and... I say to the herd and I set the intention before I go that this is how I'd like to see it working out, that I would like the mares to follow me here. And then afterwards, I'd like the stallions to follow me here. And they might even have to kind of cross close paths. Um, but I keep that intention in my head and I kind of have a, an idea of how it might look, but it's very, very flexible, which is already how I feel in training. Only I have no training plan because all I can do is ask them. So I go out and I say out loud to the horses. Um, and usually I talk to just a few in the herd that I think can really help me out. The ones that seem to be really connected to me at the moment. I'll say, Athena, can you please help me 
um, lead all the mares into this pen temporarily. Can you all please follow me right now? And like, I kid you not saying this out loud to these wild horses and asking, they have followed me. I, it blows my mind because almost every single time I ask them to follow me, they follow me. And almost every single time I ask them to do something very specific, like, can you all come past this gate closer to the left side or, you know, whatever, like very specific things just because I've had to ask them, you know, for spacing and for um, keeping everyone safe, like pretty specific stuff and sorting them out in different ways. Um, I just ask them, will they do it? And and they've just been doing it. And that oh man, now I'm saying it, I'm like, oh wow, some tip, like, or some like, <laughs> some like realization, you just ask and then you get it. Um, but I don't think I realized the power in that before. I think I've always asked my domestic horses to do things, but because I didn't trust that asking was enough, um, I always backed it up with training and with positive reinforcement or in the, our early years, pressure and release because I didn't think asking would work. And, you know, I don't think asking always does work because they can always say no. But I, I really believe it can. And I'm coming to trust that more and more that horses will give from the heart without, without needing other motivation if, if you're really in that same place. So there's another side to this, though, because I don't think it's just me going out and asking and it all always works out. I think that my part in it has been listening to my intuition to know when is the right time to ask and what is the right thing to ask. And I think that has been just as vital, um, if not even more, because more and more I am letting my intuition guide me with the horses and, and doing my best to just not doubt it. And I've been doing that for many years, but my dedication to it is very strong right now that if something tells me to open a gate and even though it doesn't make logical sense for me to open that gate right now, I am going to open that gate. If something tells me to turn around a corner or to walk away or to approach something and again, it makes no logical sense and I can't reason out why I would do that, I do it. I do it no matter what. If I, if I can get the ping and if I can, um, if I feel clear on it, and I feel open enough to listen and to hear it, um, I try my best to just not question and to just do it. And I think that has gotten even stronger with the wild horses. And I think it has been one of the biggest reasons why I've been able to collaborate with them. Because if I was just going out and demanding things of them and saying, I want you here and I want you there, and 
and you're just kind of putting my will out there in in this kind of arbitrary way, I don't think that works. I don't think that you can, you know, just go out and, and tell them what to do and they're always going to do it. Like, definitely not. That hasn't been my experience with horses. And, and I also think that would just be kind of weird, you know, if like, oh yeah, I just go out and I demand it and, um, or I expect it and it happens. I really think that my part in it is tapping in to what is best for everyone. And I think our intuition has a way of telling us that because our intuition sets the ego aside a bit and it's not about just what I want. To tap in and to know what questions to ask the horses and how to... Yeah, how to guide in the right way if if you're even calling it guiding I don't even know if it if it's me guiding it's just if I want to play my part and my role in the right way of keeping these horses safe healthy and happy and if that means moving them around then it's my intuition telling me you know what needs to happen I think it's the intuition that knows and the intuition I don't think has Or I think it has a wisdom that is greater than just what we want. So I don't think I'm able to, or I have been able to work really um, in harmony with the wild horses in this way because I'm just following, you know, what I want, what's good for me. I think tapping into intuition is in some way tapping into what's best for everyone and it's just playing the role I need to play so there's something else guiding us there's something that's telling me what gates to open and what gates to shut there's something telling me where I need to walk for the wild horses to um, get in a good position so that everything works out really smoothly there's something guiding me to tell me where the horses need to be on the mountain or, you know, what pens and whatnot. And I'm making it sound like I'm micromanaging their life. I'm really trying not, you know, to do that. They're really as free as can be, except for these things that just in our initial setup and trying to make sure fencing and gates and um, perimeter things are really uh, solid. There's just been some negotiating we've had to do. And yeah, I just, I've been blown away at how it's worked out. And I've been blown away having seven wild horses follow me through a forest and um, and go exactly where we need to go and how scenarios have just like, scenarios that are difficult and I'm wondering in my brain how is this going to work out that I'm going to lead all these mares past these stallions and blah 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 like and I don't have a really good mental idea of of how it's going to work out but I trust that it will because I'm getting the feeling that this is what I need to do that has been the most magical and mind-blowing experience.
so I think that this communication and not just communication, but this need for collaboration that has come up and collaborating with animals that I can't get close to, that I can't manipulate in any way and that I can't force to do anything. It's only been possible through following this wisdom that is bigger and knows more than me. And I think it's tapping into that place that, I don't know, has made this all possible. And it's really changed how I interact with my quote-unquote domestic horses too. Um, It's changed everything. And it's not training. Um, And I wouldn't even say it's horsemanship. But it is relationship. And it is collaboration. And it is communication. And the beautiful thing about it too is that it feels different than training in the sense that, yeah, there's things that that I'm asking and that I kind of need or want to have happen for the good of all. But they're really coming from that place of what is best for everyone and how can I be of service to that? Um, and how can I help the herd rather than what do I just want? And not to say there's not space for the things that we do want, um, because I don't think it's bad for us to have desires and wishes and wants. And I think like last week's episode, tapping into the joy of that and asking ourselves to follow our own pleasure, that's really important. Um, But when it comes to this relationship and um, yeah, this collaboration in this way, there is something about kind of getting out of just my own agenda really and into what is the next step that needs to happen for everyone and where is my role in that and I don't know if I'm I feel like I'm just kind of like dancing around the edges of of this big idea I'm trying to get at and I don't know if I'm explaining it that well but Hopefully in future episodes, I will have more of a concrete um, ideas around this. And hopefully I will have, uh, I'll have learned more and I will have something more solid to share with you guys. But this is just kind of my, again, explorative thoughts on what I've learned with the wild horses and what I'm definitely still learning. These are not like finished thoughts. These are just field notes, but I thought they might be valuable to share or maybe interesting. (sighs) It certainly is interesting to me. I'm, yeah, my mind is just blown all the time. My mind is just so blown. Like I can't even fathom. Like when I ask the herd to split or for some horses to go here and some horses to go there. And all I'm doing is asking. And then it happens with these wild horses. It just blows my mind. I'm so, yeah, I just, I can't even, I can barely fathom. And 
And it works with quote unquote domestic horses as well. I have been experiencing that super strong. (sighs) Well, thank you guys all for listening. I, I kind of feel like I want to stop here. I know there's probably more to say, and there are more stories I actually really want to share with you guys because so many come to mind of like specific crazy instances where this have worked out, but I feel a little bit like I need to hold them sacred with just myself for a little bit longer and one day, um, one day soon, probably share them with you guys. But, uh, for now, I think they just need to stay in my heart a little bit longer so I can really get to know them. Um, but yeah, thank you guys all for listening to this kind of odd episode. Um, I'm really excited for next week's episode and again for all the guests that are coming up. I am actually in my podcast room right now. I hope the audio is better. I know there was a dog barking for a lot of this. It was the neighbor's dog and uh, it's kind of hard because I do live on a ranch and the the walls are not super, super thick. But uh, let me know what you guys think of the audio and uh, yeah. I'll see you guys next week with a brand new episode. Thank you so much for listening and sharing with your friends and uh, writing on iTunes and all of that amazing stuff you guys have been doing. Uh, Yeah, see you then. Bye.